All right, so I was just telling um, Mark, I'm a little, well, we'll pray first and maybe that'll help. I said I was a little nervous because I'm condensing 12 weeks of class that I would give to juniors in morality into an hour and a half. So, because um, what can what can happen is with a sensitive topic, if you go too fast, someone might not get what is supposed to be there anyway. So. Let's actually pray. Maybe the Lord will kind of give us the words exactly that we need. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, you created the human person. You created them, both man and woman. You created their bodies. Help us to understand so great a reality, how we need each other, how we are equal in dignity, and how our differences can complement each other as we need each other to move into this world. So, Lord, we ask you to bless this conversation tonight. There's a lot of sensitive topics. So open our hearts and our minds to discovering the truth above all else. And may that, may that truth give us peace. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. And the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So I know that the, the title up front I forgot to change. Again, maybe I was a little nervous like, ah. Um, so it's not class nine, it's class 16. We actually did a switch. Um, so if you grabbed one of the um, announcements, uh, the Women's Care Center. So this is just two announcements for especially our candidates and catechumens, those entering the church. Um, but everyone is welcome next week, right, Mark? Mark, everyone's welcome next week. Is that true? Yeah. So next week uh, is actually a tour. We are actually going to cancel class in here. So it's not here, not here. Uh, but it'll be at the Women's Care Center at 645. They're going to give a half hour tour and that'll be the whole class. So we tried to keep it 645 to 715. What's hard it is is very South Lincoln. So if you have kids in CCD, we were trying to um, to be aware of that. The thing is they have a private meeting that goes till 630. And a lot of the women there are there for protective reasons. So we can't we can't be there um, till after 630 and time to let them leave. Um, hopefully that kind of makes sense. Um, it's for the women's protection that we're starting at 645 uh, next week to, to view the women's care. Center. So next week's class 645 down at the women's care center. And there's the address. OK. Um, and yeah, if you do have kiddos in CCD, we understand if you can't make it, but this is such a beautiful opportunity to see, um, just to see how Christ, like Christians respond to Christ's call to love everyone, especially those in need. Those in need should get most of our attention. And so that'll be the tour next week. So not here, there at 645, okay? Um, then on the backside of that, we have a rite of welcoming and reception. At the 9.30 mass on January 22nd, there'll be uh, some pews for you guys to sit in, those who are entering the church, or still, you know, still even discerning it. Even if you're discerning, come uh, sit in the reserved. Uh, there's a little blessing that we give. Father Walmeyer has the mass, so he's gonna bless and welcome those. And then there's gonna be a reception. So afterwards we'll have, uh, everyone is welcome to the reception at 9.30. So we got donuts, coffee, uh, just different people in our parish who are active, who are younger, older, um, single, married, kids, not just just to welcome you guys into the community a little bit more because you get a you get a very 
slim view of who's all at the parish when you come here. Um, granted, we've had such a great turnout of parishioners who are already Catholic. That's been amazing. Um, but yeah, this one's more interaction, more fun, more relaxed. So that's on the back. So that, that's kind of the schedule for the month. Does that make sense? The schedule includes like a beautiful looking at Christians at work and then donuts and coffee. So it's got to be good, right? Awesome. Okay, so that's the schedule. Um, again, I was, this is so hard because this is, we all have friends and family who have a different understanding of like human sexuality, um, of marriage. Um, and a lot of people think that the Catholic Church especially hates sex, but I would say it's actually the opposite. Uh, we're the last ones fighting for how beautiful it is. You know, the world, I always say the world out there is trying to sell cars with sex. And we're saying, no, 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 this is the highest expression of physical love possible. We should respect it. We should like, we should herald it. And it's beautiful. It's so funny because when America was founded, America was founded mostly by Puritans and they shoved the Catholics mostly into Maryland. Um, and, you know, the product, the uh, Puritans were like, uh, Catholics were kind of like talking about sex too much or they had too many kids. So it's like, you're enjoying sex too much Catholics. So at first we were like too much about sex. And then now in 2023, we've not changed, but the world has. And then it's like, well, Catholics are prudes about sex. And so it's very confusing as, as Christ's truth about sex maintains the same, the world around it goes crazy. So anyway, hopefully that, uh, that can kind of be an introduction um, to all of this. Again, I'm condensing 12 weeks into an hour and a half-ish. So pray for me and get those anonymous questions in. And all, that's what I was trying to pull up before class. I know that this one is more sensitive of a topic. So feel free to use this anonymous question, um, especially this week, okay? Um, as I kind of pull it up, should have been done beforehand, sorry. All right, on to the first one. God and the world have very different starting points when it comes to this, the human body, human sexuality. Um, also, maybe I should have warned you, after teaching juniors for six years, um, I don't really have an embarrassment factor about talking about sensitive topics. So if that was kind of jarring to hear a priest just say sex a whole bunch of times, I'm very sorry. Um, because, you know, we, we, yeah, so I just speak very plainly, so um, we're here to comfort you afterwards, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to speak very openly about this. This is, because what's the point? Um, we had one priest who, you know, taught seniors, and especially when you're talking about sex, you talk about the human body, um, and he was very sure, he's like, guys, we're going to use the, you know, um, the anatomically correct terms for stuff in this class. And then like, you know, later that week, some boy used some like family term, like PP or something. <laughs> and, and so he, he had to like time out. Do you see how that's more distracting than, than saying? Uh, so anyway, I'm, I'm gonna speak very plainly. So if that's jarring, that's okay. And if you leave after like our first break and you're like, I don't need this, this is uncomfortable. I'm not offended, but uh, say la vie. All right, so the world and the church have very different starting points. Um, there's a difference between philosophy and theology. Um, 
philosophy is more like, how do you think? What is your thought process? How do you come to know something? How, what's, uh, what are your starting points? What are your presuppositions? Um, this is a, like philosophy is a thought process. Theology literally means study of God. And so theology is more like, what does God say? What does God mean here? What does scripture say? Um, so we actually have to start with philosophy, thought process. The world has a very different thought process than Judeo-Christian, um, you know, for the last thousands of years. Uh, when Christ came, he, of course, he came at the perfect time. He came right when Greek philosophy was at its peak. Like Greek philosophy, the great thinkers of the world had already surmised and thought about, thought about thinking, thought about knowing, thought about being, all of this like highfalutin philosophy. Jesus came at the exact right time and so that when he said, this is my body, even though it looks like bread and tastes like bread and smells like bread, a lot of people who studied Greek philosophy were like, okay, that's literally his body. Like, and it's for us modern people to kind of get into the philosophy of how it can look and taste like something, but be something else. So we have to kind of catch up a little, totally fine. So let's get the difference between contemporary philosophy, meaning the, the thought person, thought process of the average person today versus what Judeo-Christian philosophy states. So this is B, 1B1. Contemporary philosophy, I, I summarize it, it states the truth is applied onto objects, okay? You've probably heard it before, I make reality or I decide what this is. Um, so this is a philosophy of most of society at this time where it's a blanket statement. Anytime I say the world or the culture, I would say the vast majority of people are like, I get to define X, Y, and Z. Like I say, this is this, or I say that is that. Okay, so that's kind of contemporary philosophy. But we'd say Judeo-Christian philosophy for the last um, thousands and thousands of years would state that the truth is discovered from objects. Like I get the truth from studying something. Like this thing is its own thing, and I have to study it in order to know what it is. Do you see the difference? Like. Contemporary is like, I define what this is for. This is this. Meanwhile, Judeo-Christian would be like, what this object exists outside of me. I have to learn what it is. And that speaks truth because I discovered it. So I know this might be very simple, but we have to start there, especially with uh, human sexuality. So the world is very clear that an individual defines reality, but we're already seeing the problem with this type of philosophy. We're already seeing the problem. If if the human person is what the is what the human person defines it as, that means that every individual has to define their own. And then how can you agree on anything? We're seeing this conflict today. Um, if you have that contemporary philosophy, and we're seeing this as well, like you have to keep redefining yourself according to your state of life, how old you are, what your feelings are that day, that week, that month. And so the human person isn't as um, mercurial or isn't as movable as, as we would say. So Judeo-Christian would say like, the human person exists, and yes, I have my own individual feelings and things like that, but we can discover who we are by studying it and it will express itself to us rather than I define what the human person is. Um, so hopefully you see that problem. We're seeing it today where people have to keep redefining and redefining um, 
things. And we'll we'll get into all the different topics later. If you've if you've looked ahead, I mean, we're talking about everything tonight. So that is the beginning uh, that we're seeing. So when a human being defines what things are, we are getting the same things like one C, one and two. The sexual act becomes whatever each person defines it as. Um, the sexual act can be reduced to an itch that you should scratch. Uh, the physical act, um, sex could be like, well, it's just for emotion, or it's just for physical, or it is the highest good, or it's not. The second thing, harmful practices like por pornography usage, we would disagree about that, because there's some people out there who are like, well, it's not that big of a deal, and we'll talk about pornography tonight. Um, but it can be different for each person if you are trying to define what it is rather than revealing it to you. So that was um, my two-year Master's of Philosophical Science in 10 minutes. Um, okay, so if you have any questions about that, feel free to ask. Um, if, it, if it feels like I'm talking fast, I did have extra caffeine today um, just because I wanted to do this as, as quick as possible. Okay, so no question. Any questions on that before we move on? All right, so tonight is about commandments four, six, and nine. Honor thy, thy father and mother. Thou shalt not commit adultery, and thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. Um, that sixth one can really be like a positive and a negative. So uh, the positive is you live chastity in word and deed, and then the negative, meaning kind of the boundaries that we place, are no impure actions alone or with others. Um, so I really did pray about tonight where it's like, do we... Do we talk about these in a nice way um, that we would teach like in high school? Well, high school or middle school CCD. Um, but I went the different route. I went to actually let's confront the topics head on. So if I'm missing the mark and you want more of the basics, um, feel free to contact me or Mark or, or Ryan or anyone on the team and we can we can sit down and make like another basics one rather than individual topics. So again, this is my choice to do this. Um, so hopefully I'm hitting the mark, at least on something that you are learning about the church uh, tonight. So that's just the commandments we are looking at. Okay, so let's first look at this. Um, all of these have to deal with either family, sexual desire, marriage, children, all of these commandments. So these are the topics that I say are challenging to marriage, sexuality, children at right now. So uh, let's kind of get into it. I would say starting, Pope John Paul II had a great series of talks that are really comprehensive about exactly what we're going to talk about, the human person. And the human person is a tapestry of thoughts, feelings, uh, desires, be they sexual, be they just regular normal hunger. Um, so the human person is such a big tapestry of a lot of aspects, but he in his, uh, this is just called the theology of the body. This is just a series that he, uh, of talks that he had in very helpful and very clarifying, starting from our own philosophy of if we examine the human person, what is it revealing to us? Okay, so the first part is just um, this is a beautiful work, and I'm I'm kind of taking out of this in order to talk about tonight. 
So let's look at B, the, the philosophical side. Again, philosophical meaning the thinking, the observing, truth coming, truth can speak to us from the object. So boiling all of this down, the human body was designed with a purpose. God didn't just have, you know, roll the dice and say like, this is what humans look like. They happen to be male and female. Okay, that was random. All right, we'll let them go. No, there was an actual design behind. If we know that the Trinity is Father, Son, and the love between them, that's perfect. We know that God, even though he's one, is like a community. And so he created humanity in the same way. We are a community. We are male and female. And then male and female together, the two loves can create a third love, a child. And so all of this is boiled down to we have a design which means there has to be a purpose behind it. We come to understand ourselves when we study and examine this design. Then from that study, we can uncover the purpose of things like sexual desire. And the differences between men and women, even though they are equal, can help speak to that, like how we're supposed to be a community and interact to each other. I was going to not do this, but it's, it's too much fun. Have you guys ever like, um, Let's just let's just go through them. I have a whole section of class that takes a week where we um, where we look at the differences between men and women. Uh, this is hilarious. So when um, kind of the neuroscience behind both men and women is that when men are shown uh, when we're each shown a problem, there's a process of thought that we go through in order to recognize what it is to solve it. And so what they did, uh, neuroscientists did, and it's been affirmed over and over, is give men a certain problem and women a certain problem. And what we're seeing is that here in the, here in the woman's brain, what we are seeing is the, the tissue between the hemispheres is, oh, I forget what it is, but there is like a 20% more connections than there are in the male brain. And if you don't know, like left brain, right brain, have you heard that before? Left brain, pe brain people are like, uh, kind of like me. It's like cold calculating computer, like facts and just straightforward. Um, then your right brain is more artistic, more art, more music. Um, so very free thinking on this side and very like linear and computing on that side. But with women's brains, when they're uh, given a problem, what they were seeing is that the process actually jumped back and forth. So this shows that women have on average, well, more than average, vast majority, when they are given a problem, they take in left and right brain thought processes. So it's like cold calculating, but what's the emotional side of it or the free thinking side, but back to over here to calculate but back. So they go back and forth to incorporate both sides. Okay. Men, on the other hand, when given a problem, it usually just sticks to a hemisphere. So if you give a man a problem and he latches onto it as a left brain, let's just do this thing problem. It's he's bulldogging like he's bit into this thing and that's how it's going to be done because that's how he's processed it. If you give him like, you know, a musical thing or an artistic thing, it is over here and will not cross the boundary as often. So what this shows is this, there's strengths and weaknesses. Strengths, 
our men can focus on something really, really well, but we can't multi multitask as well. Have you seen this? Yeah. And then women can multitask to a T, but when it's like, hey, can you stop doing all those and just get that one thing done? Um, then it's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But then they'll go do, do something. So um, the neuroscience behind it actually speaks. How beautiful is it that God designed us so differently um, I always tell couples when I prepare them for marriage, if you need a life-changing decision done within the next couple weeks, get the information, get the input from your spouse, but have him kind of take the lead on the decision because it has to be done. Now, if you, hi. Um, then if you have like, if you are discerning, if your family is discerning, should we move? Like this is a big decision. We have the year. If you have more time, have the man the man's input, but maybe have uh, maybe have the woman in the relationship take the lead because she can incorporate. Okay, what does this mean for our family on the emotional side? Um, what does this mean on the financial side? So she can incorporate kind of the bigger. So ha use this to your advantage when you make decisions. Okay. Um, the other part, what this describes, is that. Um, You've probably heard that men and women think differently. So women think like spaghetti and men think like waffles. So women's spaghetti means like it's all tied together. Okay. You, you say one thing, it's all connected to the other. Men are like waffles where those little cells, like I am looking into that cell and that's where I am. Oh, you want me to move over here? Let me get out of that one and into that one. Um, I saw this when I was an RA in college and I had, I had seniors in my building, except for one group of freshmen, freshman girls, and they knew each other from high school, which is why I swear, like I tell everyone, do not let freshman girls who knew each other in high school move in together. Anyway, so I went in there and we had, I had to be mediator because the dishes weren't getting done, chores weren't getting done. And so I asked like, you know, hey, Becca, like why aren't the dish, you know, it says it's your turn to do the dishes. Like what's wrong? Well, Rachel knows exactly what the problem is. Um, when, when we were freshmen in high school, she stole my boyfriend. And, it, and so like this came out of no, it blindsides me because it's like we were talking about the dishes, but it was all connected. The dishes and Rachel stealing the, the boyfriend were, were connected um, to her. So, um, but men, like we have just all our boxes that we look into, but men have a special ability and guys maybe can feel me on this, the nothing box. You are just staring off into space and she asks you, what are you thinking? And you say nothing. And she's like, no, no, you can't be thinking nothing. Like, what are you actually thinking about? Let's show the neuroscience behind that. A female brain at rest has a lot of activity, but a male brain at rest <laughs> just has this. Uh, so, Back here is where you take care of the automatics, like your heartbeat, your breathing, your blinking. Um, so when a woman is like, cannot comprehend, how are you thinking about nothing? I promise you, nothing. Okay, so so use this. We, we're just designed differently, okay? So um, as much as people say that we are not designed different, um, it's beautiful how how modern science, this is like two years old technology. Um, 
I was, does anyone remember Father Connor Sullivan from this summer? You know, he was, has his doctorate in psychology. I brought this up to him because I'm a science nerd and was keeping up on the neuroscience part of it. Um, my niece is a neuroscientist and, um, and he was like, that's kind of new technology. And I was like, well, I'm a very left brain person and this is very interesting. So um, anyway, do not use this, don't use this knowledge as weapons against each other. This is, this is meant for, for fun and understanding each other. But the reason I bring this up is we are designed, we are designed differently. Um, as much as people want to just define maybe even male and female as differently, which we'll get into, um, you have to just research what exists and then let the truth come out from it. So that is the main thing that we are going to talk about. And even the physical body. So, I mean, John Paul II, JB2, gets into like how the male body is designed and how the female body is designed, not just the neuroscience behind it, but the body themselves kind of reveal um, just different aspects of the human person. Uh, so I could... Uh, I could get into that. That could be its own night. Um, maybe if we do RCAA plus, you know, the second thing after this, maybe we could dig into this a little bit more because showing the the genius of the, uh, you know, the feminine genius of humanity and the masculine genius of humanity could be its own topic. So maybe next year, if you want something deeper, we could do like an RCAA plus. Um, Mark, write that down. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so anyway, the philosophy side is that even looking at sexual desire and, I mean, let's just get honest, the sexual organs, we see that there is a complementary aspect, an interlocking aspect, um, and we'll get more into that. So philosophically, it shows that men and women are literally made for each other, okay? And then that's just the thought side, philosophy. Let's get to the theology. We don't just have to rely on our own study of the human body and the human person. God, the designer, is actually giving us a cheat sheet too. Okay, so that doesn't convince everyone, which is fine. We can go the philosophy route. I just wanted to alert you to both of them. Um, does this keep cutting in and out or am I just getting... It's getting buzzy, so I need to change batteries. Hold on one second. Ta-da, ta-da. Okay. So, you know, the designer of all this, he didn't just say, well, good luck finding out on your own. He, he did give us like a cheat sheet, but what's hard is not everyone believes like sacred scripture or, or the, you know, prayer or prophet. So that's why he, he let the sciences unpack it. So people can come to God through the sciences and people can come to God just by going directly to his word. So the theology side is like primarily people state, that Jesus is love only, and then therefore things like the sexual act can be defined by whatever you want. But what I want to kind of highlight tonight is that love also includes boundaries as well. Love also includes um, telling the beloved, like what is a healthy relationship between the two of you? And this does not exclude the sexual act as well. So a lot of people are saying like, you know, love is love, and we can unpack that too, but but Jesus himself, when he came, he did remove some stuff from the old law, but on other things, he reaffirmed it. 
So when it came, and it says that Jesus stated that he came to fulfill the law, not abolish it, Matthew 5.17. So there were things that Jesus did change, like kosher foods. Like you couldn't have uh, shrimp, crustaceans, uh, pork. Um, you know, it set the nation of Israel aside from the Gentiles. It was a, it was a human practice that they were different from, the, from everyone else, and that was a practice. But what happened in Mark 17, uh, Mark 7, 19, and then later in the Acts of the Apostles, is that Jesus declared all foods clean. He can do that. He came up with the law. He can declare what. So he did, when he changed something, he made it very, very clear. When he changed something from the Old Testament, he made it very, very clear. But when it came to, when he was pressed talking about marriage and relationships, he affirms between one man and one woman, Matthew 19, 4, 5. He answered, have you not read that he who made them from the beginning made them male and female? And for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two of them, so just two, shall become one. So male and female one. So, um, I mean, we'll talk about this kind of with um, same-sex attraction later, but, you know, this could have been his moment where if he did want to bless same-sex unions, this was a time he had all of the audience. Um, at the time, you know, Greek culture had homosexuality as an act. Roman culture had homosexual acts, never associated with marriage. But if he was going to change something, he would have done it in this context. Okay, so, but this is where he affirmed that one man, one woman, um, and we'll get to this later. Hopefully that doesn't seem too callous and too um, just do as he says right now because uh, it's such a deeper, deeper meaning. But anyway, um, moving on, D. In short, compiling the study of the human body and the guidance of the one who made it, the sexual act is four things. And I always had my students memorize this. Um, the sexual act is unitive, pleasurable, complementary, and procreative. If you look at average male and female and the interaction between the two, there would be these four things that would be within the sexual act, especially within marriage. Uh, marriage, especially with unitive, like what does that mean? We'll unpack that in a little bit. Um, so what I love about this is, um, as I said in the beginning, sex is the highest expression of physical love possible. There's no hug. There's no handshake, there's no poem you can write that is that is more vulnerable, more revealing, more entrusting of yourself to another person than the sexual act is. So if it is the highest physical expression of love, it should be coupled with the highest intellectual, emotional, and spiritual love as well. So it's on a different plane than every other thing. You know, saying I love you is deep and meaningful, but saying I'm giving my whole, the rest of my life, my soul and body into your hands is different than I love you. So these are two different categories. And so we'll get into the sexual act being reserved. If it's the highest physical, it should be linked with the highest intellectual, emotional, and spiritual as well. We'll get into that in a little bit later. So right now, how about we will take a short break. Um, let's come back in about four minutes. Go get snacks. Um, text your friends like there's this weird priest. He keeps saying sex over and over and over. 
Um, or, or here, let me put up the brains so you can text your friends too. <laughs> 